Welcome to the Family Stories Podcast, where the stories are told by those who live them without the filters of pride and pretense. And where each story reveals the love and grace of God in a unique way. Hello, I'm Grandpa Jimmy, your host, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs in the Rocky Mountains. There's an old song that says this, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And that's true, but there's something more that is equally important. In fact, without this, it's nearly impossible to truly love others. And it's so powerful that a single drop can change a life. What is it? It's hope. When economic problems, health concerns, or relationship issues are screaming it's hopeless, I'm telling you, don't believe it, not even for a minute. Our guest today knows a little something about the power of hope in the midst of crisis and how to keep hope alive when fear is doing everything possible to kill it. His words could not be more timely, especially considering the fear that is mounting with the spread of coronavirus. My guest has traveled the nation and the world for over 35 years speaking and singing about the love and grace of God. He's a six foot five cowboy from the town of Jay, Oklahoma. That's like in the middle of nowhere. He's the founder of Outreach for America and more recently, a movie production called Holly or Hollywood Productions. There's one L missing there. It's Hollywood Productions. You'll get it. He built a movie set on his property, a small town really that he calls Refuge, where he produces Western movies set in the late 1800s. Many of you know him. His name is David Hinton. Welcome, David. It's good to be here, Jim. Well, I'm glad you're here, but I'm sorry Christy didn't come with you. As both of us, I think. Uh, we've been on the phone so much. It you- usually adds up to, I wish you were here, or she says, I wish I was there. So, well, Didn't you tell me this was like the first time she hasn't traveled with you? Uh, I've probably done a few things, but this first time since I uh, had a heart attack and was in the hospital. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to start this podcast in a very unusual way. Rather than give a lot of history, I've never really started one like this. But here goes. When we were speaking the day before yesterday, you told me you had a vision from God. And this is what's really wild about it. In the midst of being treated for a heart attack. Now, you have got to tell us about that, David. Yeah. Well... You know, God always brings you something to encourage. As we rolled into the hospital, and I'll, I'll tell a little bit more about that, but um, the nurse told me, she said, sir, you're having a heart attack right now. And I just I just smiled. It was uh, I couldn't resist it, and I, I relaxed. And then I told Christy later, I said, I felt like I was smiling, like my whole body was smiling, every pore. And I said, I can't explain what I was feeling, but peace, just supernatural peace. So you weren't afraid? <clears throat> no fear, no uh, no hopelessness or, oh, no, I'm going through that. Just peace, just, it was just amazing. So they rolled me into uh, a room to go to work on me, and they, they asked uh, Christy to step out. And she heard them as she walked out. She heard them say they they are so happy in the middle of this. You know, that's what the doctors and the doctors. She heard the the chief cardiologist there say that. <laughs> and, <laughs> now that's uh, got to be a first. That was wonderful. But I, I began to see that, and and they see so many hopeless situations with all their knowledge, with all their training, and thank God for it. 
but they still see people die. They still see a lot of hopeless situations. And so even even that chief cardiologist later, it's like the next day he came in my room and he said, he said, would you please pray for me? I said, well, yes, I'd be glad to. Now, so, I wasn't so quite as doc- strong. The as doctor I'm, was asking you yes. to pray for him. Pray for him. And then when I said, yes, I will, he said, well, yes. He said, right now, he said, but oh, would you please pray for me continually? And uh, God just touched people, you know, and I didn't have strength. I'm saying it now in strength, but I, I was I was pretty pretty bad condition. They kept telling me, you've had the big one. You've heard of the big one. And the, the one doctor told me, he said, you've you had a massive heart attack. And I guess because we weren't worried or fretful and we just – kept trusting but right in the middle of that jim was when i uh, i was still in intensive care and they were still doing a lot of procedures on me and but uh i i had a vision of this this like a like a drawing or a painting and it was a landscape it was like mountains and trees and streams but it was details it was little flowers and and all kinds of different, but it was all black and gothic. You could see the blades of grass, but it was all black and dark, dark grays. And as I looked at this, and I was thinking how beautiful, but why is it all black and dark? And it's like a drop of rain fell and hit right in the middle, upper part of that drawing. And as when it did, it just color rapidly, colors, amazing colors, beautiful colors, just began to rapidly spread just in that area and spreading out. It wasn't, it didn't cover the whole thing. It didn't just cover it quickly, but it was moving quickly and, and coloring every little detail in every part. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, son, he said that drop that looked like a drop of rain, he said, that was a drop of hope. Really? And he said, all it takes is a drop of hope. He said, people are hopeless. And he said, they're facing hopeless situations. And he said, even my people are, are losing hope because they don't realize I'm there for them. He said, all, he said, I want you to deliver a drop of hope to people. Man, I mean, my heart, I was so encouraged. And uh, he said, uh, one drop, that's all they need. And it changed like that color. He said, it'll change everything in their life. It'll bring color back. It'll bring hope. Hope is the key. You know, uh, the Word of God says that God is the God of hope. You know, Ecclesiastes 9 and 4 says, to all them that are joined to the living, there is hope. You know, so things may be really, really bad financially, financially. relationship trouble that people go through and health and all this stuff. But all it takes is a drop of hope. And if you still have life, he said to all those who are joined to the living, there is hope. It just takes that one drop. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm going to make it through this. Paul was in a storm. I mean, a raging storm called Eurocladon, which one of its meanings is a storm that comes at you from every direction. And usually when something health-wise hits, financial hit comes right next, you know, because Always. here you are, you know. And But uh, but that's what Eurocladon, one of its meanings, is a storm that comes from every direction in Acts chapter 27. But in the middle of that storm, in Acts uh, chapter 27, verse 20, it says, when all, it says, when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared... In other words, it's very dark. 
and and imagine this spiritual area in our life, not just in a ship out on the sea. But he said, when 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 no stars had shone in many days, and it was all dark, and all hope was then taken away that we should be saved. Oh, he said, when neither sun nor stars had shown in many days, and all hope was then taken away. And Paul's response to that was, he said, be of good cheer. And it was that hope. (laughs) Right in the middle of the storm. Now, he did say this. He said, sirs, you should have listened to me and not suffered this harm and loss. A lot of times we get into storms because we didn't listen, you know, or we didn't take seriously something, maybe a warning. And uh, anyway, but and and so it was light rebuke, though, uh, for the situation. He said, you should have listened to me. And you remember, he's the author of First, Second Timothy, and he told Timothy, uh, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And so he, the, he did this in the storm. He, he corrected them, and there's a light rebuke. Mm-hmm. Then he exhorted them. He didn't just leave them hopeless and just beat them down and say, you're going to die because you didn't listen to me. No, he said, be of good cheer. Because the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, stood by me tonight and said, Fear not, Paul. You must first be brought before Caesar. So what does that mean to us? We're not going to Rome. We're not going to see Caesar. But what that means is back in in chapters earlier, in chapter 23, uh, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Fear not, Paul. As you have testified of me here in Jerusalem, you must also testify of me in Rome. That's called destiny. Yes, it is. And in between the word, the promise of his destiny, a storm arose. There's always a storm. There's always something that comes and says, you're not going to make it to where you were headed. You're not going to make it to your destiny. It's not going to be fulfilled. And that's when you have to look at the storm and say, hey, I'm going to Rome. I'm going to, I'm going to go. The things God's spoken to me that I'm going to fulfill. Age isn't going to stop me. Caleb said that. He said he's 84 and he said, uh, what God promised me 40 years ago is still mine. So get out of my way or get run over. And he said, that's my mountain. God promised it to me. So when God tells us something, we can hold on to that. And you need to, because in the middle of the storm is when you're going to need to remind yourself, hey, wait a minute, God told me I was going to do something. Even if we created our own storm, self-induced storm, yeah. he still takes you? He's still there. He still See, the, his love is not like man's love that will love you when you're doing everything right and maybe maybe cast you away, you know. When you're not, and I, I, I can prove that scripturally, but, well, Peter's the greatest example. Peter denied him three times, just like Jesus said he would. He denied him, he cursed, and uh, then he walked away. And so then the, the story in John where they were, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And a lot of people say he went back to his old occupation. I don't think so. I think there was a deja vu moment because they went the rest of them said we'll go with you and so they're fishing and they've they've done what they've fished all night and caught nothing that, does that remind you of anything yes <laughs> the first time he met jesus uh-huh. and so jesus appeared on the shore and he, and, and he said children have you any meat and they said these same words that they said several years before we've told all night and we've caught nothing and he said cast your net on the other side and peter knew immediately then who this is, and he jumped in the water and swam to shore. But then he didn't say anything. He just stood there. What do you say when you failed? You know, I mean, of course, that godly sorrow leads to repentance, but what do you say when you've blown it? 
And I, he, I usually he feel really wanted, guilty at that. Yeah, moment. <laughs> and 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 you know it's it's kind of like that's that's the right way to feel, but you can't live there, and you certainly can't grow, and you can't. And this is an awesome thing, hope that drop of hope. So Peter stood there. What he wanted to do, I believe, is run into his arms. He wanted to embrace him, you know, and who knows, cry out to him and say, "I'm so sorry," you know. But he just stood there. He couldn't say anything. And Jesus, he said, said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, well, Lord, That's you know. That's the question. How many times do we do something and we feel yeah. like I can't run to God because he's, he, he can't possibly love yeah, me? How can he love me? Yeah. You know? And um, so, you know, I see it. I've, I've heard so many beautiful messages, not, not trying to up or outdo or nothing. But this is just simply what God showed me. Is he said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you, Peter. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Three times. But this is what he showed me. Do you love me? You failed and all that that we already know. But do you love me? If you do, then you go ahead and do what I called you to do. You feed my sheep. That's what you're called to do. You go ahead and, and, and preach my gospel. You go ahead. And so this is what God showed me in a situation in my life. I said, God, it just feels like I'm, I'm like Paul, like I'm shipwrecked. And I'm trying to, I was trying to get back to where I was. And God said, you can't get to where I've called you from where you were. You have to chart a new course from where you are. Well, you know what that is? That's a word of hope. There's Paul. He's shipwrecked. And, and he said, fear not. Uh, the angel of the Lord, whose I am, reminded me I have a destiny. I'm going somewhere. I can't die in this storm. So people make mistakes, and God reboots. He he, he uh, sets a new path to his, to their destiny. Is that right? Yes, good word for it. <laughs> well, think about this. You know, God in in uh, Lamentations. I was told to never read it because it was depressing, but I finally read it, and I, it wasn't depressing at all. It said, "Well, uh, if it were not for the mercies of the Lord, we would all be consumed." Now, if you ponder that and think on it a little bit, he's not talking about the worst of us. He's talking about the best of us. We would be consumed. You know, if there if there's a perfect little granny anywhere, we would be consumed because we could not pool all of our goodness together and get one of us into heaven on our goodness, you know. As I've gotten older, one of the things that I've discovered, I don't know if discovery is the right word or not, but I am more and more aware that there is nothing good in me yeah. except the Holy Spirit yeah, who come on. in me. Yeah. You know, you just can't be good enough. Yeah, you know, good enough, yeah. When you were talking about recharting a course, there's something else that happened to you in the hospital that I found very interesting that you told me about. Because in part, you make your living, your life is singing and playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. At least in part, it's yeah. that at least. Besides ministering. But when you woke up in the recovery room, you told me that you looked and reached for your guitar. And then God spoke to you about that. Give me a little yeah. bit on that. Well, I knew it wasn't there, and, and I, I was aware of everything. And and God was preparing me partly for something, but also, also giving me a revelation, uh, again, of who we are in Him, who I am in Him. And so, but I turned as if I thought my guitar might be leaning there, but I knew it wasn't. And immediately I heard the Lord say, Son, your guitar, your music, your your songs, none of that defines you. 
He I'm said, I, you, that, he, that yeah. is powerful. Yeah. That does it has, see, you. since I was 10 years old. That's the reason I'd look, because it's always been there. That's always been something. But um, anyway, he said, that doesn't define you. He said, I do. My word defines you. If you want to know who you are, look in my word, and I'll tell you about you. You know, uh, I passed through a toll booth in Kansas City about 2 o'clock in the morning. I was headed for uh, Illinois. I had my Bible. It was one I really wore out. It was that Bible that had so many markings in it that you just hate to move into a new one because you just, you know, when you get a Bible that's so personal like that. But the toll booth guy, he said, uh, looks like you've carried that Bible a long ways because it's just kind of raggedy. The leather was wore out. He said, it looks like you've been carrying that, that book a long ways. I said, no, sir. I said, it's been carrying me. And again, Revelation, I said, I stopped carrying my Bible. My Bible started carrying me. And I said, guess what? I stopped reading it. It started reading me. And as it read me, it, see, before grace, when, when I had that thought, it was reading me. It was all that was wrong with me. When I'd look in the Word, it showed me everything that was bad, everything that was wrong. That's all I could see. But in the light of grace and salvation, I'd look at the same scriptures, and and they brought life to me. They didn't mean anything like before, mm-hmm. you know. And and so I began to find out who I was. You know, we're we're growing in that because we've tried to be so many things in life. You know, we want to put our best foot forward. That's good. We want to make good first impressions. We're taught to do that. But after a while, you you try to fit in. And I remember one day, Jim, out in a field, I remember where I was at, and I, I just kind of cried. I was discouraged. I'd only been saved for a little while, but I said, God, I don't fit anywhere. The old crowd don't want nothing to do with me because they think I'm too holy. <laughs> and the new crowd don't want anything to do with me because they think I'm too unholy. You know, I was still had rough edges. And I was just like, God, I don't know what to do. Again, you know, God, God talks to us. He said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. Well, you can judge this. A stranger, and talking about the enemy, the enemy of God, he will always come and take hope away. God will always come and give hope in the middle of the storm that's about to wipe you out, that you're going to die. The doctors have told me you're going to die. One doctor got mad at me because I didn't get depressed, and he said, you're not taking this serious enough. You're going to die. And I said, well, you are too. And it shocked him, <laughs> you know, and he, and he didn't know what to say. He just kind of stirred for a minute. And I said, Doc, I said, God's not into dying. He's into living. And, uh, you know, I began to realize more and more and more uh, so many people are, are are hopeless. You know, it doesn't mean they're down and out and on the streets, but that's that can be that situation too. But professionals, people that have achieved everything and they still feel empty and they're they're searching for one thing and it's that drop of hope. Why am I here? What what's my life all about? Well when you got out of that bed and grabbed your guitar you discovered you needed a little hope, if I yep. remember right. What happened? Yeah, and praise God, I still do. But I'd lost all the use of my left hand. I had I had a little bit, and but all the feeling in in uh, you know my my little finger and my ring finger, and and then it was just numb. My hand's been been really numb ever since. So playing chords wasn't working. Well, I couldn't even make them. I couldn't even oh, push down. All the strength was gone. Well, in my whole body, but especially in my hand and but i just decided you know first of all it didn't depress me didn't discourage me i mean i've done this all my life and i love playing and and i love singing i love writing songs 
But I was like, well, praise God, you know, what's next, you know? But I I just decided, you know what? No resistance, no strength. And I began to just play anyway. And, of course, I'm here at this great ministry playing and singing, and people are coming up, and I'm like, oh, gosh, that was awful. (laughs) But I'm hopeful. But people are walking up and saying, you never played better. And I thought, boy, that was really bad. (laughs) I don't know what to think. But, but, you know, to God be the glory. We just keep, keep trusting. Well, you, you've had so many things that have happened in your life, and we're not going to go into all these yeah. things now. But you've had so many things that you've actually had to deal with over long-term periods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people can get discouraged if they deal with things for, for a long time. For example, I don't, can I mention your Sure. Uh, you've had some issues related to, I don't know if you actually have diabetes or it's diagnosed that way or mm-hmm. whatever, but you've got some real issues with your feet. And this has gone on for, what did you say, 30 years or so? Yeah, it's been going for Just around 30 years. Just tell us a little bit about that and how you've managed to continue on with the pain and the things yeah. that you're going through. Well, in 30 years, there's been there's been multiple healings and, and miracles in my life where I wouldn't have a leg because so many times they, they wanted to take my leg. And three doctors gathered at the foot of my bed at one of my, the times I was in the hospital, and they just explained to me very kindly. And, and walked me through the whole process. And I said, well, praise God. I said, if that's what we need to do, do it. Well, they stepped out in the hall, and I laid there, and here's that drop of hope again. I had one thought. I thought, I haven't talked this over with God. I didn't have any right to agree to that. And so I prayed. I said, God, I said, you know, and I was, I was supposed to go on a crusade that weekend to take a group of people to the Dakotas, to the reservations. So it looked like that wasn't going to happen. But when I asked the Lord about that, he said, no. He said, you go ahead and go on the crusade. And he said, I will sustain you. So when the doc came back in, I said, now, doctor, because they didn't want me to go on the road. I said, you know, I'm going to go on this trip. That's what God wants me to do. And he looked at me and He's working on my foot. And he said, you always come back stronger. And this this guy, God had really touched his life, you know, through this situation. I think one thing that you want to stir up hope, then help someone else. They may not be going through anything as, as hard as you're going through. And, and they may not know. Don't even let them know. If they're going through some little something, you think, boy, you ought to hear my story. Don't tell them. Just start feeding hope to them. And it'll come back to you. And so one time, uh, this doctor, and I was paying for everything cash. I didn't have insurance or anything when this hit. And um, he was working on my foot, and he said, uh, he said, would you ever consider coming and speaking to a Boy Scout troop? And I said, I'd love to. I'm laying in the hospital. He said, well, it's not really a Boy Scout troop. He said, it's, it's, it's a whole bunch of troops. There'll be around 500, 600 people wow. there. And I said, I'd love to do that. That'd be awesome. He said, and he just kept working. And I could tell he's pondering something, but he said, there won't be any money involved. And I laughed. I said, well, where I work, there's usually not a lot of money involved anyway. You know, you don't go to prisons and pass the offering bucket and, and places where we go. He looked up at me and he said, listen, he said, because I had three major surgeries to face and then all the outpatient, I can't even tell you how many and all the work he done. He said, none of my services are going to cost you a dime he said he said there's no charge ever again and i jumped and i said and i said why and i just responded that way and he said he said now i'd been going with him for a year 
He said, I've been watching you. And see, that's something to remember. Do you do you have peace when the check comes in the mail? Do you have peace when the doctor says you're the perfect picture of hell? Well, we need that's anybody can do that. But we've got to maintain our peace with him because he said, peace, I leave with thee. We have to maintain that because we don't know. That's our witness. That's more than us going out and telling somebody all about God. And is when they look and they see us in hopeless situations, but we still have hope. When they see us in in times of storm, like that storm Paul was in, but we still have peace. That ministers and touches lives. So how how do you keep uh, discouragement and fear and those things at bay when, when, I mean, when the things really get tough like you've dealt with, and we were talking just the other day, some of the pain that you were in, and you're still standing up there singing and ministering, and you're in pain. Hmm. When things get really tough like that, how do you defeat fear and discouragement? Hmm. Well, you know, fiery darts, the Word talks about, says uh, the shield of faith, above all, take unto you the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, those fiery darts are actual things. They're, they're thoughts they're, that come at you and say, you're, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. And then you'll have questions. Why? If I'm healed, then why am I hurting? And all that. And you combat that, of course, with faith. But there's several things he gave us. One, Put on the garment of praise for any spirit of heaviness, any spirit of heaviness. And I, I, I guarantee you, I've, I've tried this in so many situations that I would put on the garment of praise and the heaviness would leave. You know, sometimes the pain would leave. I can't say every time. And But, you know, I just learned to trust him. And I believe for the day, first of all, I believe I'm already healed because he already provided it. And so I believe complete manifestation, and I've had manifestation of healings. But uh, you you keep your like Paul. This is a this is a hopeless situation. Understand Acts twenty seven twenty says all hope was then taken away. There was no hope. Everybody knew it. The sailors knew this is over. We're going to die. And everybody but Paul. And the only thing Paul had was a drop of hope. He had a word from God, and that's that's so important to get in the word. And, and and let the word uh, talk to you. Remember, uh, Jesus was baptized, and and the spirit of God descended upon him like as a dove. And anyway, and God said, "This is my beloved son," and all that he said. But if you break it down, he said, "This is my son." The next one that spoke was the devil, and what he asked, "If you are the son." Mm-hmm. This is my son, and then he combats the very word of God. If you are the son of God, you know, and that's what he does with us. He comes and says, if we get saved and then our, our, you know, he comes and says, if you really are saved, how about healing? He'll come in. And when the minute we start understanding that we're not trying to talk God out of something that he doesn't want to give, but in fact, he's already given it. And I'm talking about healing because we'll pray. And when we don't get that immediate miracle, thing and, and those things happen then then a pain or something then then we begin to doubt and really the enemy says if you are healed but see all we have to do is what what jesus did it is written by whose stripes you were healed it is written he sent his word and healed them it is written that god has forgiven all of your iniquities and healed all of your diseases you know and so the word brings hope it is hope and uh, you know all you needed is a drop, and man, you get stirred up. And, you know, that's, you know. I, I was thinking 
this morning about our conversation a couple of days ago. You know, I'm retired, and I have a little portfolio, and, and part of that's what I live on, you know, of investments. And in the last few weeks, my portfolio has dropped 20%. Well, I'm telling you what, it, it took my breath away, or it got my attention. Yeah. Let, let's put it that way. And what you said spoke to me so much because I went back in. I thought, you know, in Proverbs, God says that he, he makes us prosperous. He doesn't add sorrow to it. But in the very next chapter, it says, do not trust in your riches. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Don't trust in money because it's fleeting. It's gone. Our trust is in him, yeah. not in anything. Yes. And those things, when you put your trust in them, they will let you down. I mean, oh, they will. and they will try to leave you hopeless. But as long as you just turn and say, you know what, that's not my source. That you know, God's God's my source. He's He's got me. He's got me covered. Then, and I, I don't think it's a reason to just not take care of business and things, and and sit around and and just say, well, God will take care of me and send a check. But I think it's purpose to just remember where am I putting my trust? Where am I putting my that's exactly what Hard. it did to me. It made yeah. me ask the question, what do I trust in or whom do I trust in? Let me ask you this question in a little, a little bit different direction here, but let me ask you this. Because you mentioned this to me, and I thought it was very, very interesting. What do you do about people who say to you, you're never going to be healed. It's been 30 years. You can't make a movie. You don't have enough experience. What's wrong with you? You have a name for people that do that. Yeah. Well, I think the name is Dream Squasher. <laughs> Dream Squasher, and, that um, was it. There's, there's been many. See, when I was a kid, I wanted to play instruments. And uh, they basically told me I'd never play the guitar or the piano because my hands were too big, my fingers were too fat. And I always thought, well, why not get a bigger guitar? So you got to just get on the high side of things. You can't let words. So if I'd listened to them, I would have never played. You know, and in all my life, I've been on the Discovery Channel. I've been, I've done, uh, three specials on TV and been on Revelation Television in England and all, all kinds of just local television stuff. I've, uh, I've played all my life and, and see if I'd have listened to that, I'd have never done anything like that. And I did the same thing, writing songs and, and all that. But I, you know, I don't entertain dream squashers a whole lot. So I don't have a lot to say to them. <laughs> you know, listen, do you? Because always remember, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, which is the song I wrote for the Dream Squashers. And, and it mentions, mentions those things. But like the movie, uh, the first one to tell me I couldn't do it was me. So Isn't there I am. Is that always the way it is? So I squash in my own dream. Well, how, why would I think I could make a movie? You know, I, I sit and laughed. I actually laughed. I said, <laughs> what kind of movie would I make? You know, because it, it was so impossible in my mind and so ridiculous. And I mean, the last camera I, I really enjoyed was the camera where you snapped a shot and the film came out of the side, you know. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. pulled it out and watched it appear. And I thought, that's ridiculous. See, the and young people don't know that's called a Polaroid camera. That's called a Polaroid camera. <laughs> Instamatic, by the way. Yeah, there and, you uh, go. But, um, you know, I, I wrote the song How the West Was Won, and it's about an old trailblazing preacher. I wrote stories in there that were real and very familiar to me. And I thought, boy, it'd be great if someone made a movie out of that song. And I heard the Lord say, well, why don't you? And that's when I laughed. But you remember Sarah laughed when she heard God talking to Abram about and she, she was going to, exactly, you know. And so, so he doesn't get mad at us for, for, for laughing, you know. He, he, he wants us to get in faith. And so this is what the Lord asked me. 
And this is so good to hear. Anybody hears this uh, podcast needs to hear this. We all have dreams, but but usually the dream squashers have had their way, and we've put them on the shelf, or we've thrown them down and completely walked away from them because they seem like too much. But when we yield, when we say, God, you know, I desire this, I, I tell you, when he gets behind you, look out. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so this is where God will take you. When I, when I thought, uh, you know, what kind of movie could I make? And I heard the Lord say, can you write the story? Well, I think anybody could write a story. So I, I yielded to that. I said, yes, Lord, I can write, I can write a story. It was in my heart already. He said, will you do that? And he said, you don't worry about the movie making. He said, I'll, I'll work on that. So you just started putting one foot yeah. in front of the other and just walking it out by yeah. faith, not knowing how it was all going to come together. Yeah, don't don't look at the grave. You, you remember the old saying that's so encouraging, a journey of 10,000 miles begins with one step. That's exactly right. You know, and so I wrote the story and then I never could imagine how things could come together. You know, I'll tell you, David, your life, you have a hundred stories to tell, and I'm going to tap you for a bunch of them. We just can't do it all in one can't podcast. Can't do it all today. <laughs> I love it. So I want, to, I want to have you back again and again. But if somebody wants to contact you or if they want to get your music or know more about your movies and what you're doing, how can they do that? Well, we, uh, you, can, you can look us up on our website at uh, Outreach for America. Dot net, and then uh, Outreach for America Hollywood Church Productions is our film company. We're in Jay, Oklahoma, and ministry number is 253. It's area code, I'm sorry, 918-253-HOPE. That's great. <laughs> and I hadn't even thought about that and even telling you about that, but i uh, Actually, until I started giving that number, forgot it. we we got that. But yeah, two five three hope, and uh, we'd be glad to pray with you. We don't have twenty four hour day, seven day a week, but if you call and leave a message, we'll be back in touch with you. And uh, but yeah, we're filming a new new movie, and and we're moving ahead. You know, you're supposed to just quit after a heart attack. Honestly, and I've, I've, you haven't you haven't heeded that advice. Have you? <laughs> I've uh, I've been told um, too many times, but you know what? The whole thing is is use wisdom and get up and take steps and understand the resistance that you feel is bringing strength. You know, don't be discouraged because you can't run a marathon, or I couldn't take more than ten or twenty steps, and I was so weak. But take a step, take the 20 steps, and it'll become 30, it'll become 40, and pretty soon you'll be moving, you know. But but have let hope have its way, because when it shows up in that drop, it'll, it'll bring everything back to life. It'll bring everything well, I tell you, what, what together. a message for us, for me, for all of us. Uh, a drop of hope really can Amen. change your life. And there's been times when I've needed that drop of hope, because it does look hopeless in, in certain situations. David, thank you so much for coming and doing this with us today. I appreciate it so much. And for you that are listening, uh, in just a moment, we're going to end this show with a special song from David. But in the meantime, I do want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. 
and let you know that you too have a story, and it's probably better than you think it is. And if you're willing to tell it, I'd like to hear from you, because your story might be the one that changes somebody's life, just like David's story is doing that today. So you can go to my website at mygrandpajimmy.com, or you can email me at mygrandpajimmy at gmail.com. So have a blessed day and enjoy this song by David. God bless you. I exalt your name. Oh, Lord, my God, I exalt your name. Stand day to day for
face. I want to daily see his face. Oh, Lord, my God. I exalt your name. I exalt your name. Oh, Lord, my God. I exalt your name. Oh, yesterday, today forever. Your love is still the same. Oh, my God.